Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Our series is called Before Kings, The Fragrance of Honor. And so really what we're going to be doing through this series is we're going to be taking some mostly Old Testament uh, stories and characters and talking about these these uh, people throughout the Old Testament that had incredible amounts of influence and God placed them before kings. But when God placed them before kings, he used the value of honor in their life to, to, to not just promote them in positions of influence, but to actually do things really, really well and to honor the Lord in everything that they did. And so today we're going to start way back from one of our early patriarchs named Joseph. Pastor Emlyn shared on Joseph just a few weeks ago, but today we're going we're gonna to kind of get into this thing, talking about the power of fragrance, right? How many of you know that fragrance is, is, is a powerful thing? Now, when we think the word fragrant, you can also think stench, right? But really, those two words mean the same thing. They just mean the, 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 the way something smells, right? The way something smells. In fact, some studies have been done on the power of smell, right? And so what, what they've shown, and you know this, is that is that smell, your sense of smell, is the strongest sense that you have in relation to memories, right? That's why you can smell the cologne that you wore in high school and it takes you back, right? (laughs) That's why whenever I smell polo cologne, some of y'all like, oh, they make cologne? Well, they used to. They probably probably sell it at the dollar store now. And uh, when I smell that, it takes me back to, you know, the, the old, Josh Brown, right? You know what I'm saying? And so I think about whenever I smell Irish spring soap, I'm taken back 40 years to my grandma's house because she used Irish spring. And so every time I smell it, it takes me back. I, I think when I smell malto meal, which doesn't happen often, but if I smell it or something that smells like malto meal, there's not very many things that smell like that, but it takes me back to my grandma Yancey's house, sitting in her kitchen, right, on the, on the tall chair that all the grandkids fought for. It takes me back to that memory, right? So, so what is it? It's, it's the smell that's attached to all these neural pathways in our brain that connects us uh, to, to these moments. In fact, there's a whole industry that revolves around your sense of smell, right? We call it aromatherapy. Come on, you know, you know. So people are selling oils and, you know, getting all oily and all this. And, and most of it is based upon, and it's okay, it's all good. We oily too. We, we do the oil thing. And so we know that, that aromatherapy is important, right? If you want to feel relaxed, smell this. If you want to feel excited, smell this. And so we've got a, this whole industry is built, built around that. In fact, there's a store that, that I went to this week called Bath and Body Works, right? And so... I went to bath because all the, all the ladies are like, oh, yes. So I pull up in my truck to Bath and Body Works. It's the middle of the day. I mean, I might as well have been going to a woman's clothing store, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it is, it is listen, it's super awkward. I know some of y'all are like, ah, your man shouldn't feel... It's super awkward for a man to walk in Bath and Body Works without his wife. It just is. It's like, it's like walking into a women's clothing store. And so I'm in there, and you guys know how it is. It's all the smells, and, and it's awesome. And so what I do when I go to places like that is I just play dumb, and I just play it up. I'm like, hey, I, I, don't, I definitely don't want to act like I know what I'm doing when I'm in Bath and Body Works, right? I mean, I'm going to turn in my man card if I do that. And so they have, like, all these awesome scents at Bath and Body Works, right? And so, like... You know, they have like this one right here that's coconut sandalwood. And what do you think when you think coconut sandalwood? What do you think? The beach. Come on. I was in the beach this week. Let me take you guys to the beach right now. Come on. So you, we were in the beach on the beach a couple weeks ago, right? It's that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it smelled like sun. I mean, that takes me back to when I was like eight years old, whenever I was a kid going to the swimming pools, right? And so it takes you back there. It takes me back to the beach that we were at just a couple weeks ago. I'm not the biggest fan of coconut sandalwood. Who's the biggest fan of coconut sandalwood? You like that coconut sandalwood there? Take it home with you. Take the beach home with you. Uh, then we got like, we got flannel. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Come on. Cause flannel's like, you know what I'm saying? That's like, it's like put on your hoodie or put on your flannel shirt, right? Sit around by a campfire. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's try this. I didn't smell it earlier, but it's it smells like overflow, right? It smells like warm and, and comfort. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, spray right? so, so it's just like we just, we just get into that 
to that planet, we're, we're all going to be like, man, I don't, everyone, every time I smell that now, you're going to think about this message. Who likes flannel? I think we're right over here. Oh, careful. Pastor Brooks telling me, don't throw stuff. Remember, I'm not going to lie. A couple of years ago, we had a guest here. I was throwing out apples, smacked them. Never saw them again. I don't know why they never came back, but I'm assuming they found church somewhere else. Now this one, one of the awesome things about aromatherapy is that like, it can really like influence some things, at least for a minute, right? <laughs> it's like, you, so this one is one of my favorite. It's eucalyptus spearmint. And this is, this is stress relief, right? So some of you guys get this and you're not spraying in the room. You're like, right? Because you're like, I'm stressed out, right? You're at work in your cubicle. You're like, and so you're spraying that everywhere. Who's, who's had a rough week? You got a little anxiety this week. So there you go. That'll, that'll help you out. So, so we love, we love the, the power of fragrance, right? It's very, very, very intense. But did you know this also, that you have a smell? You smell, right? You smell, right? When you were in grade school, that wasn't a compliment. But you have, you have a smell, Right, uh, Pastor Nathan, Pastor uh, and uh, Pastor Nathan and, and and Joshua here, they could tell you what my truck smells like because they've been in my, why? Because it smells like me because I smell. Now I hope that's not a bad smell, but there's memories attached to that. You did you know that you have a smell? Now we we make stuff to cover up our smell, right? Because some smells come out of us uh, that that aren't good smells, and so we have air fresheners and deodorants and those kind of things. But you also just carry an odor. In fact. There was a study done by a neuroscientist. I'm assuming he knows what he's talking about. I read the article this week. And he talks about the, the power of smell. And he, he was talking about how humans carry a scent. And did you know that every human carries their own scent? In fact, he was saying that your scent is, is as unique as your fingerprint. That you have a designed, God made you with an aroma. Isn't that cool? God made you so specific that you don't just have a feeling that you bring into the room. You actually bring a scent. Every person has their own. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Y'all okay? So we talk about fragrance. There's all kinds of fragrances in the room right now. It's going to hit you in a minute. Hopefully it's one of the things I sprayed. (laughs) Come on. But thank God. For he has made his captives. How many of you have been held captive by Jesus? He got a hold of your heart. Come on. How many of you know that's good? Some translations have omitted that because we, we don't like the way that sounds. He is, you've been captivated by God. He's made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, when we read that, we don't have any idea what he's talking about. So you'll have to dig a little deeper and you have to study really what he's talking about here is during those days, the Romans would have a, a victory, a victory parade after they went to war. And so what they would do is they would come back home and they would have all these prisoners of war, these captives, and they would march them through the streets and they would go, we won the battle here is our, here's what we won. We won these captives. We, we brought them in under our control or under our dominion, if you will. And then, so they're bringing all these people in. And as they're doing that, they're burning fragrances. They're burning things that, that permeate the atmosphere, that infuse the atmosphere. And, and, it's, and it's a victory parade. So when he says this, he's saying, listen, we were enemies with God. We know the scripture tells us that. Did you know that if you're not on God's team, you're his enemy? If you're not redeemed, you're enemies of God. But Jesus came to reconcile you to where you're no longer enemies, but friends. And not just friends, but your family of God. Come on, that's the gospel. Reconciliation. You were enemies. God captured you. Now he's marching you through the kingdom of God. And then he says this. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. So we are held captive by God and God is using us to spread his knowledge through our fragrance. See, we carry the fragrance of another. Just like you have your born DNA, you have your born fragrance. But when you are born again, come on, when you get held captive by Jesus Christ, what happens is the Lord changes the way that you smell. 
He changes the way that you influence the environment. Our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Many translations say you are the fragrance of Christ. What does Jesus smell like? His church. His church smells like him. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved, by those who are perishing. Check this out. Perceived. Everybody circle perceived. Now, how many know that it smells the way it smells? It smells like Christ. This is important. Are you tracking? However, depending on where you're at with this God thing, you will perceive that smell differently based upon many times your memory. So some, to some people, the body of Christ is a stench. It's not because the body of Christ stinks. It's because they had a bad experience. Are you tracking? So we've got it, but it's a perceived thing. It's not a reality. We're, we're the fragrance of Christ going up to God, but some people think it stinks. And this is what he says right here. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfume. So either you smell, and, it, and it's, listen, it's based upon the perception of others. It's not based upon the perception of God. He's already decided. You smell like Jesus. He's already decided. But the perceived notions, come on, and there, there are a lot of people that think the body of Christ stinks. Come on. There's many in the body of Christ that say the body of Christ stinks. But that's not what the scripture says. That's not what the truth says. You know the only thing that says that? Your perception. To some, it's doom. To others, it's sweet perfume. For me, it's sweet perfume. You belong to Jesus. You smell glorious. Doesn't mean that you don't let out a few bad odors every once in a while. But you smell glorious. You are the fragrance of Christ. So we carry the fragrance of another. Another thing to think about is that when, when sacrifices, when we think about fragrance, when sacrifices were being offered, how many know that flesh burning stinks? So what would happen in, in scripture, and we see, you see incense all throughout the scripture. And you know, it, incense was often burned the same times that sacrifices were. You know why? To cover up the stench. So scripture says that we are living sacrifices. But you know what God smells when we live sacrificially? Christ. So your sacrifices, the things that are difficult, the, 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 the thing that you crawl up on the altar to allow God to burn, come on, the sanctification that's happening in your life that is painful for you, God goes, it smells like Jesus. The Father is so pleased. You okay? So as believers, what we are doing is we are infusing the atmosphere with this fragrance. Just like I sprayed those, that spray a while ago. We are infusing the atmosphere everywhere we go, all the time, what we're doing. Right? Whether we're at work, whether we're at church, whether we're in traffic, whether we're on social media, what do we smell like? I hope that we are living these sacrificial lives that we smell like Christ. So we talk about infusing the atmosphere. We do that through influence. Everybody say influence. Influence, right? Some Christians think that's kind of a bad word. We shouldn't seek to be influential. If you don't seek to be influential, then you can just disregard the Great Commission because the Great Commission is all about influencing nations. It's all about making disciples. What is, what is making disciples? Leadership. Well, I'm not really a leader. According, well, you're following the greatest leader of all times, Jesus Christ. There's no way you can follow him and not lead others. If you are following Jesus, you are called to influence others. If you think you're exempt from that, you're not following Jesus. You're observing. Oh, there's a difference between observing and following. Now, get this. Culture is obsessed 
with this thing called artificial influence. This is kind of the word that I've called it. So you have all these people like on Instagram and they call themselves influencers, right? We call them influencers because they have all these followers or people pay them money to promote an ad or something like that. We call them influencers. Beloved, that is artificial influence. That is artificial influence. And people are, are totally obsessed with artificial influence. Listen, don't confuse popularity with influence. Don't confuse impact with influence because you can impact someone and not influence them. You can be impressive and not influence people. You might inspire them, you might impact them, but influence is more costly than that. See, just because you're impressive doesn't mean that you have influence. And I think we believe that lie that if I can impress enough people, if I can put enough filters on, if I can say the right thing, if I can put the right, I mean, that's one trap that I fall into as a pastor. If I can just say it in three words and it can go viral, then I can have influence. It might inspire someone. It might impact someone. It might be a little bit of bait to bring them a little bit deeper, but it's not really influence because influence goes deeper than that. This is what Paul says. Does the Bible call us to leadership? Absolutely. If you want to call it something else, fine. Call it something else. But influence is really what it's all about. That's really what leadership is. It's influence. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what the great John Maxwell says. He's a guru of leadership, if you want to say guru. Not guru. That's probably a bad word for it. But listen, we are influencing the world as Christ is influencing us. As we are being influenced from the Lord, we are influencing those around us. This is why it's so important for you to guard your character. That's why it's so important for you to to be careful about the the things that you say and the way that you say them and the way that you show up at work on time and the way that you work. We're going to dig into all that in this series because it is really honoring the Lord when we do that. Um, 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says this, you should imitate me. You know what we do? Oh, don't follow me, follow Jesus. Paul says, no, no, no. I am following Jesus in such a way I'm imitating him. Imitate me. This, we should all live to a standard that doesn't say, don't look at me, look at Jesus. It should be like this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me show you how to follow Jesus. And you shouldn't be bashful, you shouldn't be arrogant about that, but you shouldn't be bashful about the, the fact that you are following Jesus to model Jesus for other people. It's called influence. So when we speak of leadership, we're speaking of influence. And leadership's taking a bad rap, right? So people will say, Jesus, you know, there's all these memes and all this kind of stuff, kind of bashing leadership. Oh, don't, don't, you, don't need, you don't need to lead, you need to serve. I think you're, mis- you're, you're, you're creating a fi- false dichotomy. Leadership and servanthood are, are not at opposition, right? Lording over in servanthood are, are, are at opposition, but leading is different. And I think many times when people talk about leaders, they're talking about control. Leadership isn't about control. It's about influence. Listen, if, if Jesus wasn't about being a leader, then why do we call him the great shepherd? What is a shepherd? A shepherd's a leader. And he's kind and he's tender and he's loving, but he is still leading sheep. So leadership's got this bad rap. Now listen, we, we've all had, all of us have had bad experiences with people that have positions of leadership but that's all they have is they have a, a position. They don't really have any influence, right? Because they have poor character. We, we, we've all experienced that. So what we do is we go, leadership's bad because I have a bad experience. That's your perception. Let's put that away. Leadership's really, really, really good. And God wants you to lead. It might just be leading your family. It might just be leading two people to Jesus for the rest of your life. But he's called you to leadership in some capacity, doesn't mean he's called you to lead a church or lead an organization per se, but he's called you to influence. He's called us all to influence. But the current, so it, leadership can't be forced, right? That's, a, that's dictatorship, that's control, all that kind of stuff. We know manipulation can get involved in that. We know all this. We've all had these bad experiences, all of us. But the currency of true leadership is, is, is two things, really. It's respect and it's relationship. It's respect and relationship. So we've got this, society that tells us that you can actually influence people without a relationship. All you need is a screen. Again, you might be impressing people, but that, that's not going to stand through the ages. Y'all okay? Y'all are really quiet. Y'all got to help me. So when we talk about serving, serving is a way that we influence them. It's not the only way. Or at least don't, don't, 
classify serving as, as, you know, only mopping floors. Yes, do that too. But right now I'm serving you. I'm preaching the word to you. I'm serving you. I'm leading you. Hopefully I'll influence you today. Hopefully we have enough, an, enough equity in our relationship. Hopefully I've developed enough respect. Hopefully I have an, I'm relational enough to where I can influence you. Because that's what I live for. Because I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm not saying that out of arrogance. I mean, it's, it's, humi- it's, it's humbling to be able to, to, to live in that. Are you okay? So when we think about this idea of influence, when we think of this idea about honor, we can't get away from the subject of favor. And that's really where we're going to spend our time today. We're talking about favor's fragrance. Everybody say favor's fragrance. Favor's fa- fragrance. Right? It's one of those words. Putting them together. Putting F words together. Favor's fragrance. Why y'all laughing? You little filthy-minded people. Just kidding. All right. So Joseph, Joseph is this scripture, this scripture, this, this man in the scripture who is right after the patriarchs, right? It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We talked about Jacob last week. Well, one of Jacob's sons, his favorite son, is named Joseph. And there's more devoted in the book of Genesis to Joseph than any other character. He's very key in our scriptures. And what we have here is we have, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to cover it all, lightly as, as we go through, is what we see in Joseph's life is we see this, this line of favor operating in his life as he brings honor to every context he's in. Are y'all okay? So his life is marked by favor and he uses this favor to honor the Lord. He doesn't use it to puff himself up. He gets into that temptation a little bit at the beginning, but he quickly corrects it. And we see God prospers him, and we see that he doesn't use his favor for himself. He actually uses his favor to benefit the environments he's in. See, it's one thing to have God's favor. It's another thing to walk in it. Every single person under the sound of my voice online, in the room, God's favor is on you. That just simply means this, that God likes you. We have a sign that we put out, that we carry outside that said, Jesus enjoys you. We believe that. God's favor is on your life. He likes you so much that he gave you the very best in Jesus. God really likes you. He, and he doesn't, he doesn't just love you. He actually, how many of you ever loved someone you didn't like too much? Come on, we all have. But God loves you, but he also really likes you. He enjoys you. He takes delight in you. But you've got to walk in that. You can't just walk around going, oh, God loves me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then not walk in that favor, not walk in that delight. And I've seen so, listen, I've seen so many people waste the favor of God in their life. I've seen people that, that God has given them gifts and abilities and God, God, God has given them a wealth of knowledge and experience and they just squander it. They just, they live lives apart from God. And it's so disappointing. It's so disappointing when people waste God's favor. It's probably the most disappointing thing that I've seen in ministry over all these years is for someone to have such an incredible amount of favor on their life and they just waste it. Because the thing is, is, is favor looks different. You have, you have favor for different things than I have favor for. Right? And so when I see someone, I'm like, man, I wish I had favor for that, right? I wish I had favor for making millions. You know what I mean? I don't have that favor in my life. I want to know somebody who does. <laughs> right? Maybe you do. Let's hang out. But it's easy for us sometimes to, to, to disregard our favor and just look at the favor on someone else and get jealous about it. So listen, God has, God has given you so much. <clears throat> so just honor the Lord in everything. And then, then we say, well, I don't really want to honor. If, I, if the Lord would give me more favor, I'd honor him. We just think of things in a, in a weird way. So this is one thing about Joseph that we see is that favor ain't fair. We say this all the time. Favor ain't fair. You know, favor is it's just different. It's not across the board. It's, it's not like we've all got the same kind of favor for all the, the favors. It's a different kind of thing. Pastor Brooke has a total different favor than I do. Pastor Nathan has a total different favor than I do. And sometimes I wish that I had that favor, you know, that people just like, oh, I just love him so much. I'm like, I don't get that. Like, I have to earn that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just not natural. So favor ain't fair. So here's Joseph that we see. In, his story starts in Genesis 37. And, and he's favored by his father. It says this now, Israel, which is Jacob, which we talked about last week, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. 
because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an, or, an ornate robe for him. Some translations say a coat of many colors, right? We, 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 you're, if you've been in church for any time, you're familiar with this. And I'm not gonna go into all the depths. But when his brothers saw that the father loved him more than any, any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Favor ain't fair. And listen, sometimes people will hate you because of the favor that's on your life. Because they could see that their father favored, them, favored him. They, they were envious and they hated him. And in fact, they plot to kill him. But this is the thing with Joseph, which I believe happened in his early years, is that favor produces confidence. And I believe that the confidence that Jacob got I mean, sorry, that Joseph got from his father, Jacob. I believe that confidence catapulted him into the, all the seasons of his life. I think he could probably look back and you know what? I'm loved by dad. My dad loves me. And that, 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 listen, that is, that is a thing that is very, very much missing in our culture. Listen, you want to talk about all the issues in America? Let me, let me tell you where it boils down to. And some of you might not like this. I don't really care. You know what all the issues in America boil down to? Fatherlessness. You, you go look at crimes. You go look at all the issues. You look at poverty. You look at all that. And you will see the common factor is that there aren't fathers. Men, we got to rise up. We got to be the fathers that God has called us to be. If we want to see a generation raise, rise up and succeed, it's not going to happen through government mandates. It's going to happen through fathers. And it's going to happen through spiritual fathers. Listen, young guys, listen to me. I've been, I've been a spiritual father to young men my whole life. I started in my 20s. I was like 19 when I was first started fathering people by the Spirit. Because I, believe, I believed in young people. I still believe in young people. So my, my philosophy on ministry has always been I, I want to father them in. Because if they're going to have a future, they've got to be fathered. Because it, it produces a confidence. And it would produce a confidence that Joseph would need. But what we've got to be careful is that our confidence doesn't produce arrogance. Because arrogance will, only, will use favor to serve ourselves. Right? You've seen that, right? Oh, I, God, your favor's on me. I need the best parking spot. Come on, really? Maybe the fa- God's favor is on you. He wants you to give that up because you, you're favored enough to walk. Maybe someone that needs that spot can get it. Do you see how, how that can be arrogance? Um, this is the deal, though. Honoring others, when we talk about the culture of honor, honoring others requires confidence. It requires it. See, we can only honor others when we feel like we don't need it for ourselves. Because if we always walk into the room and we're like, you need to honor me, I, I'm not feeling honored. What's going to happen is, is we're not going to have the power to honor others because we're always looking for it. You know what I've found? Is that if I can honor others, they they will honor me back. I'm not waiting for them to honor me first. I'm putting it first. And some of you are stuck in this, in this place in your life. You know, you, you want to talk about respect? You want to know how you gain respect with people? You, you can't demand it. You honor people into respecting you. You honor people. You stay upbeat. You do what's expected. You, you, have, a, you have a boss that has it out for you, let's just go there. You have a boss that, that underpays you. And so what, this is what we do. We show up to a boss like that and we don't work hard. We talk bad about them behind their back. We gripe about them to our spouse and all this kind of stuff. And we wonder why we're not prospering there. Because we're not, listen, we are the fragrance of Christ. It's our job to establish the code of honor there. I would encourage you to go in and honor them, not because they're worthy of honor, but because you are, (laughs) because you are an honorable person. We don't honor people because they're honorable. We honor them because we are. And when you honor people, they will respect you. You're going to, you're going to have, listen, beloved, if you will get this early on, it's going to really help you. Or you're just going to bounce around from job to job to job to job, from marriage to marriage to marriage, come on, to community, 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 to church to church to church, until you get filled with what you think you're supposed to fill instead of bringing it. You've got to put it, you've got to sow that seed. <laughs> Y'all okay? All right. 
So favor produces confidence. So use the favor that you have to bring confidence in others, to honor them. Come on, God, God loves you. You're so rich. He's so rich in mercy. You're so, you're so like, your bank account is so full of mercy and honor and grace and goodness and favor. You can afford to give some of it away. <laughs> you, God will never let you go bankrupt in favor. So just share it. All right. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that's okay. Favor produces confidence. So Joseph has this dream, right? He has this dream, and in this dream, his brothers, I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically in, he has two dreams. One dream, his brothers are bowing down to him like he's an authority over them. Another dream he has, his brothers and his parents are bowing down to him. And so he tells his brothers, and this is when they plot to kill him. I mean, he knows he's going to be great, but he's not like, he's just telling them the dream. Now, he, should he have told them the dream? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, he wouldn't have gotten to where he's going if he didn't. But he knows he's going to be great. And it says this in Genesis 37, 11. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And it's interesting that, that Jacob's belief was like, this ain't cool. <laughs> Joseph, you shouldn't be having dreams. Like, I mean, he didn't decide what he dreamed, right? It was probably like the pizza he ate but the night before, or the Lord. I think it was the Lord, the latter. And so the Lord gives him this dream, and he's sharing it. And his dad's like, you should. You know, wisdom would say you probably shouldn't tell everybody that. But his father didn't get mad at him because his father knew. Come on. His father had confidence in him. And so he kept the matter in his heart. He didn't get mad about it. I would have probably got mad about it. What, son? You think you're going to be in charge over me one day? And what's interesting is, is Joseph still honors his dad at the end of his life. Come on. Even though he was technically above him, he still honors him. Woo, that'll preach. So after plotting murder against him, his brothers sell him uh, to this caravan of traders uh, that, that are traveling through, and then they in turn sell him to this guy named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is like, is one of the officials of the Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the king, and Potiphar is like a little king, right? Just think of him maybe maybe like a governor, right? He's, he's really like the the over, over the captain guard. He's, he's, he's one of his boys, right? He's a high political figure. And so Joseph sold into slavery to him. His brothers try to kill him. They throw him in a pit. These guys come along. They'll sell him. We sold him. And then here he is. He's in the slave trade. In the Bible, way back. Come on, these things were happening way back. Genesis 32, verse 2. The Lord is with Joseph. Oh, come on. That's all you need. That's all you need. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when the master saw that the Lord was with him, when he saw the favor on his life, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household of, and everything he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, not because God favored Potiphar, but because God favored Joseph. Because Potiphar would be considered a, an enemy of God's kingdom. Yet God is using one of his people, one of his representatives to bring blessing. This is going to preach all day, all month or the next six weeks. See, the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in house and in field. That brings us to number two. Number one is favor produces confidence. Number two is favor isn't just for you. Favor isn't for you. I know the parking spot thing. I know the job. I know the promotion. I know all that. But beloved, God didn't give any of those things for you to keep. Rarely does God give us anything for us to keep. Let me say that again. Rarely does God give us anything for us to keep. He wants to multiply it. But in the kingdom, you got to give it away to multiply if you hoard the blessing, it stops there. 
See, most of us in Joseph's situations, most of us, including Josh Brown, in Joseph's situation would not serve well. I'm a slave. He, listen, he's not even getting paid minimum wage. He's definitely not getting paid what he's worth. He is a slave. Do you understand this? You or I do not want to be in that position, nor would we serve there well. And all logic would say don't serve well there. All logic would say that. But Joseph had favor on his life. He was underpaid. Let me suggest this to you. Never work for a wage. Does that mean you shouldn't get paid? No, you should get paid. And you will get paid well if you don't work for a wage. With some of you, you live paycheck to paycheck just simply because you work for a wage. You work for a paycheck. If you work for a paycheck, you'll always work for a paycheck. If you will work to honor the Lord, he will bring increase. And we see this with Joseph. So Joseph is a slave trader. I mean, he is a slave in this guy's house. And he is serving so well as a slave that he gets promoted all the way up to oversee everything in this wicked man's kingdom. And now everything in the kingdom is prospering. A wicked place is prospering because Joseph is there. Are you tracking? Did you know the, the job that you hate? You can see God's blessing there. You can bring God's blessing there by the way that you work, by honoring where you're at. We're not justifying Potiphar. He's a wicked dude. But Joseph has God's favor. And favor follows God's people. Will you walk in it? So don't work for a wage. Work for the Lord. Work for the Lord. So here's Joseph. What is he doing? He's honoring up. And in a way, he's also honoring down. Because Potiphar's like, not really up. <laughs> to honor this guy, you're really honoring down. Because he doesn't have good character. But he's honoring down. And he's honoring all around. And God's prospering him. God's prospering not just him, but he's prospering everyone around him. See, we carry, when we carry God's favor, it's not just to bless us, but to bring increase to the environment that we're in. When we carry God's favor, it's not just to bless us, but to bring increase to the environment we are in. So here he is, he's serving. He's, I mean, he is like, he's doing well financially. He's enjoying all the financial things, right? Isn't he? Isn't he enjoying all the financial things, right? He probably doesn't have a, have a paycheck that's made out to Joseph, son of Israel. He probably doesn't have a paycheck made out, but he's got everything he needs. He's got everything provided, more than his brothers or more than his dad has, more than any of their patriarchs, right? But he probably is not getting a paycheck. I mean, he's still a quote-unquote slave. So Potiphar has a wife, and you think Potiphar's wicked. The wife is wicked. The wife is wicked. And it says this about Joseph. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know a few guys that are well-built and handsome, right? Confidence, not arrogance. Guys, okay. So he was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. <laughs> and she said, come to bed with me. Not safe for church. <laughs> Can't read the Bible. It's not safe for church. So she starts trying to seduce him and bring him in to relationship with him. I mean, he's, favor is attractive. That's the third point. Favor is attractive. So here she is. She is attracted to this man. He's good looking, but he's also really good at what he does. And this is influencing her. <laughs> and she's about to cheat on her husband. And Joseph tells her, you're not for me. And continually resists him. Now listen, Joseph's story could have ended right here. And we've got, listen, beloved, we have got to be wise. This is why it's so important for you to know your scripture because everything that comes your way that looks like blessing is not blessing. Because the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants you to bite into temptation. I've seen people do this. I've seen people do this with untimely relationships over and over. Oh, God brought this person into my life. It's like, God brought that. How do you know the devil? I think the devil brought that person into your life. I, I've literally, I've literally 
counseled people before that were married and thought that God had this other person that they're not married to for them. You know what that's called? Stupid. It's called deception. I'm not trying to be funny. That is foolishness. But sometimes favor is so attractive that there will be things that are, that are coming towards you that you've got to say no to. Sometimes it could be a promotion. Good things, promotions, provisions, resources, and bad things, problems, prisons, propositions. Everything attracted to us is not for us. And just because you like it or you desire it doesn't mean it's for you. And I'll say this too, favor, because we believe this. Well, God's favor is on me. Everything's going to go hunky-dory. Here's Joseph sold, sold into slavery, now sold into prison because of his favor. Listen, having God's favor doesn't exclude you from difficulties. It gives you the endurance in the midst of them. I don't know if I can. It doesn't exclude you from difficulties. Favor doesn't exclude you from difficulties, but gives you the endurance in the midst of them. There it is. Somebody tweet that so I can remember it. Because that was free. All right. So Joseph's thrown into prison. What do you do when you're pressed? What smell comes out of you when you're pressed? What's coming out? What fragrance is coming out of you? When you're pressed, Joseph's pressed. He's in prison. For Joseph, when he's pressed, guess what comes out? Favor. So here he is in prison, showing us that we can honor the Lord in any circumstance. Did you know that you can honor the Lord in a difficulty. You can honor the Lord. Listen, you can honor the Lord in a difficult relationship, in a tenuous relationship. You can honor the Lord in a job that you don't, that you didn't, wouldn't choose again. You did choose it. Joseph didn't choose his, and he honored the Lord. You can honor the Lord in the prison cell. Jo- See, Joseph was a prince. Even when he was a slave, Joseph was a prince, even when he is in prison. Come on. It didn't matter where he was. He knew who he was. So it says this while Joseph was in prison, Genesis 39, 20. The Lord is with him. There it is again in the midst of the prison. He's shown kindness to him and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all the things in the prison, and he was made responsible for all, those that, all the things that were done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. In other words, he didn't have to worry about anything because Joseph was in charge. Because the Lord is with Joseph. He gave him a success in everything he did. He succeeded again in prison this time. In every bad scenario that we can imagine, Joseph succeeds. You know what we do? We play the victim. And we blame the oppressors. Oh, they're oppressive. And my job is oppressive. My family's oppressive. You know what Joseph did? He said, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm just going to honor the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. I don't, you think he wanted to be there? I mean, I, I would have been rebuking prisons. I would have been rebuking these slave traders. I would have been rebuking them. Joseph honored the Lord. And God gave him success and everything. So he does well there. And he's like leading in prison. <laughs> it's like it's, you can't take the favor away from this guy. He's leading there. And these guys come in. These, these two guys are in trouble. The king gets mad at them. Pharaoh gets mad at them and throws them into prison. They have these dreams. Joseph interprets these dreams. One of them is a really bad dream. The other one's kind of good. And then so they get released out of prison. One of them doesn't, gets released into death. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, don't forget about me. Don't forget to tell Pharaoh that I interpret dreams. I'm pretty good at this dream thing. I've, I've learned about it from the time I was 17. And so... The, the, the cupbearer goes, and he's there before the king, and the king's like, I had a dream. This is two years later. Oh, hey, I know a guy that interprets dreams. When I was in prison, this dude had a dream. Oh, two years later, hello. Two years waiting for that promotion. 
What do you think he did? You think he got mad and stopped there? No, I think he continued working for two years. And so he comes and he interprets his dream for Pharaoh. It's this dream about abundance and famine and how to prepare for it. And God just lays it all out to Joseph very, very plainly. Just because Joseph stayed in that pocket of honor. Come on. And it says this in Genesis 41. It says, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge over the whole land. Remember that vision? Remember that dream that Joseph had about people bowing down to him? He's just put over the whole land. So he goes from a prisoner to, to the palace. He was already a prince. Come on. He just changed locations. Then Pharaoh put a signet ring on his finger, and on, on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in the robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck, and he had him ride in the chariot as second command. And the king shouted before the people, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph their enemy, who works his way, who honors the Lord in every single thing he does. And then this leads, glorious story in Genesis, the later, later chapters of Genesis, you guys can read it, that Jacob's brothers show up. And he kind of messes with them a little bit. And then he's like, you know what? That's not the honorable thing. And then they bring his dad. And his dad thought, that he had been dead all these years. And Joseph has this incredible moment with the patriarch Israel. And he realizes that his son is not just alive, but he's actually fulfilling the dream that he had when he was 17 years old. 13 years for that dream to be fulfilled. 13 years in prison and slave trading. 13 years under oppressors, and Joseph succeeds. Why? Because of honor. See, favor grants us access to honor others. Favor grants us access. Y'all okay today? Access to honor others. Genesis 50, verse 20. His brothers are like, oh, we're so sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Shouldn't have done that. And he said this, you intend to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You meant it for wicked. And I, and I, th I would like to imagine as, as, as this dream is being fulfilled in Joseph's mind, I think when he makes a statement, you meant it for bad, brothers, I think he's thinking Potiphar meant it for bad. Potiphar's wife meant it for bad. I, I think he's thinking, hey, the, the, the prison warden, he meant it for bad. But God, he meant it for good. And because God works everything together for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, because God works all those things together for good, he's like, I'm going to honor the Lord. So how do we do that? Two quick points, real fast, we're done. We honor the Lord in labor. Listen, not just the work that you're doing, not just the practice of it, but also your posture. How are you showing up to work every day? Are you honoring the Lord in the way that you act? Do you show up like you don't want to be there on Monday when you were up too late on Sunday? Well, you don't know my job, but you don't know. I don't, but I think that Joseph had it a lot harder than you did. I mean, at least you're getting paid, <laughs> even if it's eight bucks an hour. Honor the Lord in labor. This is Colossians 3.23. This is it right here. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working unto the Lord or for the, for the Lord, not for human masters. See, you're not working for your job, for your boss, for a corporation, you're not even really working for your family or your spouse. You're working for the Lord. This is why you can prosper at any job you have. Let me say that again. This is why you can prosper and bring God's blessing to anywhere you work, anywhere. Because you're working for God. You're honoring the Lord. The way that you do it, come on. How many know that doing... Doing the right thing the wrong way is the wrong thing. You got to do the right thing the, wrong, the right way. We'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about Daniel. The second is this, is 
honor the Lord in purity. Now, it's easy. Let me, let me back up real quick. It's easy to look at Joseph's story and go, well, it's because he had the dream in his heart. He had the dream in his heart, his dream in the heart. He didn't even mention it. I, I think it had less to do with his dream and a little bit more to do with his posture towards the Lord. I believe that was his drive. I believe it's because he knew that he was favored by God. It had little to do with the dream. But his dream was fulfilled. Don't, listen, don't get so focused on your dreams. Focus on honoring the Lord. The second is this, honor the Lord in your purity. This is our last point. Joseph's story could have ended in Potiphar's house. He could, he could, have, he could have just done good there. I mean, he could have kept that position. It would have been nice. He could have kept that position and go, man, God's just blessed me so much but he has still been a captive. But this thing called sexual purity is important to God. There's an attack on that. I get it. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee from sexual immorality. There it is. And you know what it says at the end of the verse? Right here, verse 20. It says, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Honor God with your purity. Honor God with the things that you're looking at online. Your thought life. Your sexual life. Honor the Lord. Purity just means this, that I'm maintaining my innocence. I'm maintaining my innocence. Are you innocent? Are you pure in heart? Remember what Jesus said about the pure in heart? They will see God. Pure in heart. How can a young man stay on the path of purity, the psalmist says, by living according to your word? What we need to do is we need to get aligned with the word of God. How do I know how to honor the Lord? Get into the word. It'll teach you how to do that. How will I keep my way pure? Get into the word. It'll show you how to live pure. You want to honor the Lord? Get into the scriptures. Listen, I I think more than ever, I think more than ever since I've been alive, I think that we've got to get rooted in the scriptures because there's so much confusion about what is right and what is wrong in our culture. But at the end of the day, I am not concerned about my fragrance smelling good to those that are perishing. I'm more concerned about my fragrance honoring the Lord. And I do that with my purity.